Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's sermon podcast at Yarmouth Wesleyan. We hope that you are encouraged by the message that you're about to hear. Uh, And we'd really appreciate uh, if you would subscribe on Apple Music or follow us on Spotify. That really helps us continue uh, to do the work that we are doing. So thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the message. John chapter 1, if you have your Bibles or phones, you can turn there with me. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and Jesus was there. In the beginning, God formed the sun and the moon and the land and the water, and Jesus participated. When God called Moses, Jesus watched. When the Israelites were being pulled out of Egypt by Moses, I wonder if Jesus cheered Moses on. When the Israelites had a king and David kind of rose up to lead, I wonder if if Jesus said to David kind of prophetically through prayer, like, come on, David, you got this. I wonder if when the Israelites went into exile, if, if Jesus grieved what was happening to his people. And I wonder if Jesus was kind of birthing sermons into the prophets as they rode in and preached in the different eras. And I, and I wonder what Jesus was thinking as they listened to the prophets sometimes and didn't listen to them other times. I wonder these things because so many Christians think Jesus came on the scene the day he was born and was a little baby lying in a manger. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus We've tried to say to you through this series, this is better than you think. This is bigger than you think. And Jesus has been watching this story unfold from the beginning. There was a man, distinctly different, this is not God. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. John comes on the scene after Jesus watched for 400 years of silence. So Mark preached through exile last week, and he said the Israelites were out in exile, and then, and then they got released back from exile, and they went back home, and it was ashes and rubble, and the temple was destroyed, and the wall was gone, and they kind of put it back together, and it was shabby at best. I mean, it wasn't embarrassing, but it sure wasn't like the original. Then if you go through your Old Testament, you come to to Malachi, or as some people like to say, Malachi, and he gives a word of hope to these disbanded, discouraged people of God that there's there's a better day coming. And they're like, yes, because this day ain't so good. And then after Malachi leaves, 400 Years of silence. Anybody here find patience difficult? Anybody find the season that you're living in difficult? 
Anybody finding they want God to show up sooner than he is? Can I get an amen? Anybody here been waiting for 400 years? Almost had you there, didn't I? They waited for four centuries. Nothing. And then John showed up. And John wasn't the light, but he was the first prophet since Malachi. He comes on the scene saying, I know you've all lost hope. I know you think this is not going to get better. I know you think this as good as it is. I'm here to tell you there's one coming. And it's not me. There's one coming behind me. And the true light, verse 9, which gives light to the world, was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I went driving the other night with my daughter up to the church here, actually, and I didn't realize this, but we had driven by a house that had a nativity scene lit up in the front yard. I didn't see it. And we're driving, and, and my daughter just declares in the silence, like a prophet in the wilderness, Dad, those people must know God. Pardon? She goes, there's one of those little baby Jesus scenes. And I said, oh, I, did, I didn't see it. She goes, I said, why do you think they must know God? And she goes, well, I don't know why they'd put that up unless they knew God. And I thought, huh, I think she should preach on Sunday. Because I think there's a lot of people right now doing the what's of Christmas, but not knowing the why's of Advent. I think there's a lot of people doing the what's, putting up the nativity, doing the lights, passing out gifts, having family and friends over, completely unaware of the why's behind the what's. And my daughter's little innocent seven-year-old mind's like, well, if they've got that up, they must know God, because you wouldn't do this without this. And I thought, I wonder if there's many Christians who know the why behind the what. See, it would make a lot of sense to come to you this morning, or this, this, this evening, and preach the, the gospel of Jesus from Matthew or Luke, right? Like the Christmas lights are up, the trees are up, we want little baby Jesus lying in a manger. That is the what. John gives us the why. John tells us why the what makes sense. John tells us why people put nativity scenes up. John tells us why we do all these things. John is the one that says there was, a, there was, there was one out there who was coming into the world. This, this logos, this word. I, th I think when I read that Jesus came into the world, I don't know about you, but I kind of think like Jesus came to the world like my in-laws come to Yarmouth from Fredericton. Like my in-laws were just here from Fredericton and they came into Yarmouth and they left Fredericton they hopped to the ferry and drove into Yarmouth. And we kind of think God came into Yarmouth, but it's really not God came into Yarmouth or God came into the world. What we really should be saying is that God came down to the world. So I think we need to say God came down because it's not that God came over or that God just moved from Halifax to Yarmouth. He humbled himself. I, I was thinking this week, Jesus dethroned himself. 
Jesus' story does not show up in the world. It's the second person of the Trinity watching this story unfold, watching his Israelite people, watching the nation suffer. And then he finally, I, I would love to have been in the conversation as they talk in heaven saying, well, someone's got to go. He comes down, he humbles himself as a servant and comes down into the world, which begs the question, why? Why did he have to come down? Why didn't we just go up? One of the things I noticed as Mark preached the last two weeks, and didn't Mark do an incredible job? Not only am I not the best preacher, I am the smartest pastor on staff. Because when I saw the subjects, I used all the power of delegation and said, Mark, I anoint you with the next two weeks. Preach all about the Israelites and all of exile, and I want you to cover 4,500 years of history. I so send you, Mark, into the world. See, we just heard all about the world. We heard how God stacked the deck. We know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that Adam and Eve were meant to be God's representation on the, in the world, and we know they made a mess. And then if you notice through the sermons and through the seminar that Mark led, God gave us everything we needed. See, the, the law was a gift. The law was actually gifted to us to say, if, if we're going to have a relationship, there's going to have to be some ground rules. So could you just kind of obey these rules? How'd that go for us? The first rule was like, listen, we're in the garden, just don't eat from that tree. We made a mess of that. Okay, hold on. You, you couldn't do one. It's two. Like, I'm going to give you 10 commandments, just 10. Try not to mess these up. Made a mess. God's like, well, all right, this rule business isn't going so well. I'm going to have to build something else into the system, so I'm going to give you the sacrificial system. Now, we haven't covered that a lot. We will next week. But God gifts his people with the sacrificial system, meaning here's the law. Don't break the rules. Ah, you broke the rules. Here's how you'll atone for your sins. Here's how you'll pay your debt. Here's how we will forgive the severed relationship. So when you break a rule, kill a goat, kill a dove, do this thing, and that will pay for the sins. Well, if you read the Old Testament, she gets bloody real quick. If every time we sin, something gets killed, uh-oh, and she's just a bloody story, and it is a mess. And they are killing and atoning constantly because they can't stop sinning. God's like, well, let me give you some leaders to help lead the nation. I'll, I'll give you some priests. They'll even work the temple and they'll help you. But lo and behold, the priests have their own sins to deal with. And they keep dying. And so God's like, well, the, the priests aren't really helping because they've got their own issues. God said, I'm going to send some prophets to speak on behalf of me. We find something out. That when you speak a word of truth from God, that doesn't always go so well. One of the things the prophets quickly realize is that we don't need to worry about our retirement packages. Not many of them get there. And so as their life starts to be taken from them, the prophets start to get fearful. Prophets start to hedge their bets. Prophets start to cut just shy of God's message. One prophet even jumped on a boat until he got thrown over and swallowed by a giant fish to avoid preaching God's word. Then the God's people were like, listen, we just need a king. If you would just give us a king, God's like, well, I'll be your king. No, 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 no. 
We want to have a king like all the nations have a king. Just give us a king. God's like, I really don't want to do this. I, I don't think this is a good idea. Let me be your king. No, we want a real king. We want to be just like everybody else. And God's like, well, I, just, I kind of want you to be my people. Well, no. All right, here's your king. Did you know, this might be an interesting fun fact for you, did you know that power corrupts? <laughs> Apparently, if you give somebody all the authority and the power of kingship, that doesn't go well. Even the good ones. Go ask Solomon and his 700 wives. <laughs> Apparently, God knew something about power. And all through this story, it's just a mess. And God's like, see, they're never going to come to me. I'm going to have to go to them. Then John says that he came into the world and the world did not recognize him and his own people rejected him. See, the Israelite people were still God's plan A. Jesus came into the world to his own people and showed up and they rejected him, which is quite fascinating. Do you remember what Mark said last week, that when God drew his people out of Egypt, he gathered the Israelites around Mount Sinai. And Moses said, can we just hold on for a minute? I'm going to run up the mountain. I'm going to have a little chat with God, and I'll bring a fresh word down the mountain. Now, I've only climbed two mountains in my entire life. It doesn't take an incredibly long time. I mean, under a day, because we're not talking weeks and months. Up, Moses goes up the mountain, and the people so hungry to have a God before them that they can touch and interact with. As Mark said last week, they gathered up their gold, melted it down, made a God in their own image, and said, let's worship this God because we need a God in front of us. Right? Then they go on waiting and waiting because the prophecy was that this Messiah would show up, that God was going to come down to them. And then here's the kicker. When God comes down to them and stands in the flesh in front of them, they reject the God. So anxious to have a God that they make one and call it God, God shows up and does not meet their expectations, so they kick that God out. They would rather have a God in their own image than God in the flesh. Uh, uh. I think that sounds like people I've met before. I think that sounds like me. I think that sounds like us. See, it's not that they didn't want God to show up. It's they wanted God to show up on their terms. They wanted God to show up on their expectations. Ever find yourself rejecting God because he didn't do what you thought he should do? Go chat in the community and tell me if you don't hear one of the number one reasons why people reject faith in God is because God did not do what they thought he should do. God did not show up when they thought he should show up. God did not heal their family member. God did not answer their prayer. God did not do the thing they thought they should do. If that's how God's going to act, I want no part of him. Does that sound familiar? It's incredible to me that we can intellectually cross this line to say, I believe in a God like capital G God, who spoke the rivers and the mountains into creation. The sovereign God that hung the stars, but if God doesn't answer my prayer, he's gone. Do you hear that tension? There's a God of the universe who formed us in our mother's womb, but if he doesn't move on our schedule and on our time, we kick him out. There's a, there's a friction there. 
And so God shows up to his own people and they reject him. Now here's the amazing thing about God, which ties into the great banquet we preached on back in the parable series. God looks around at the people who reject him and says, I'm going to save someone. There's something about God's grace on display that if my own people don't recognize me, then I'll save whoever does. And all of a sudden he moves to say, if my people don't recognize me, then what I'll do is that to anyone who would receive me, I will give them the right to become my children. Can you imagine the outrage with the people of Israel? Can you imagine being the Israelite people for all these generations And this Messiah shows up and says, if you're going to reject me, I'll receive anybody who calls upon my name. And what I'm thinking, they're thinking is, no, if we don't want you, nobody can have you. No, no, I'll take anybody who will receive me. See, I gave you small p prophets and small p, small small p priests and small k kings but I came here for a reason. I came here to do for you what you could not do for yourself. I came here to be for you what you could not be for yourself. I came here to be the priest that you needed. Because all through the Old Testament, the priest kept on sinning and kept on dying and kept on giving sacrifices to no end. And Jesus says, I am going to come and be the priest. Now here's what makes Jesus great. Jesus says, I will be the priest and the sacrifice. I will be the one who leads you and ministers to you and reconciles you to God, not by sending a substitution that I will be the substitution. You have a God-sized debt, God himself will pay this debt off. You have a God-sized gap, God will close the gap because you can't do it. I will be the priest who reconciles you once and for all. Did anybody here bring a goat with them tonight? Only one hand I see. Where's your goats, folks? Should have walked in here with a bag full of doves because I think you all sinned this week. See, we don't, even th- we don't even realize that the freedom and the forgiveness that we have to worship is, is, is something that the Israelites had no concept of. That our ability to worship should not, never be something we take for granted. We should pull up with our vehicle and a trailer full of calves and grain and goats. Like, all right, family, she's been a rough one. Bring in the swear jar and bring in the goat. (laughs) Like, this is how we ought to worship if it were not for the capital P priest who came once and for all and did not shed the blood of goats and doves and did not bring bags of grain, laid down his own life for you and for me. And we get to step in here freely. Read Hebrews tonight sometime and watch the covenant that Jesus brings by his own blood. Jesus says, I will not just be your priest, I will be the prophet that you need. The prophets of old kind of, kind of shuddered under the fear of preaching God's word. The prophets of old would show up and say, thus saith the Lord. And you all would have a choice of whether you do it or not. And notice when you read the gospels, Jesus shows up and says, you've heard it said, but I tell you. Think of the chills the Israelites would have had. Like, whoa, you don't speak on behalf of God like that. You, you give him the credit and Jesus says, no, I tell you the truth. 
Verily, verily, some of your King James versions say, I say this. God is not bringing the word from someone else. God is the word in flesh before the people. God is authorizing the word as he speaks it. He is not the messenger of the word. He is the creator of the word to the people. He speaks into my life and into your life with a, with a pointed sort of conviction. God brings the truth that humans fear to preach. I was talking to a pastor this week, and we were talking about the times and people, and I asked him the question I've asked so many pastors. Don't you just want to preach one time completely unfiltered? He said, oh, they couldn't handle it. <laughs> if you've ever been a pastor before, you're tracking See, the prophets had fear. I have fear. Jesus shows up and preaches the truth. And then Jesus says, all oh, these kings, like even the good kings couldn't fulfill what I needed them to fulfill, so I will be their king. I will be King Jesus for them. I will inaugurate and bring the kingdom to them because they're never going to work their way up to the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to bring the kingdom down. I'm going to initiate a kingdom movement right here on earth. Now, I know I had the Israelite nation, but I'm going to blow that thing to smithereens. I'm going to birth a new nation. And it's not going to be from their birth order or their blood. It's not going to be of their will or of their flesh. I'm going to birth a nation straight from God himself. And the realities that we cling to in heaven, and, and when we sing the old songs, I'll fly away one day, and I'll get to go to heaven one day. God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to bring it right here. And so imagine how confused God is when people sit around in church talking about how great it'll be in heaven one day. Imagine how confusing it is when Christians just long to be in heaven one day. When God's like, no, I long to bring heaven to you. I long to birth what is true up there. I long to birth it right here in your realities, right in front of where you are. Now, does that mean it's going to be in full? Absolutely not. What he inaugurates, what he christens, and we're going to talk about how he does it next week. When he bursts the kingdom in front of us, we see flickers and shadows of it in 2020 in Southwest Nova because he has not brought it in full yet. But he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to do kingdom work right here. I'm bringing it to them. Now, the last part I want to draw out is verse 13. In verse 13, he says, Those who were born not of blood, nor of the will, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The, 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 this, is, this is the part we struggle with. This is the part that the Israelites struggle with. They rejected Jesus because he was not the God they expected. He was not the Messiah they expected to show up. The Israelites believed their issues were political issues. They believed their issues were monetary issues, were leadership issues. They believed if a Messiah could just come one day, when, when when Malachi preached, they just thought, man, if, if that Messiah could show up and fight the wars that we can't fight, if he could lead in the government the way we can't do, if he could just do that, if he could get on our agenda, think how hope-filled our future would be. And Jesus showed up and was not carrying a sword and never picked up a scepter. And they're asking themselves, like, I thought we were going to become a holy nation again. I thought we were being put on top. I thought you came here to fight the battles that we couldn't fight. But Jesus knew what they didn't know. Unless I fight the actual battle, you will constantly put yourself back in exile. 
you will constantly put yourself back in slavery. You will constantly relinquish the roles I created for you. You will find yourself in slavery to your enemies over and over and over again. Your issue is not political, governmental, or financial. Your issue is at the heart. And they did not see that coming. No, Jesus, pull the sword out. Fight for us. And so even when Jesus was being arrested, Peter grabs a sword thinking fleshly battles and cuts off the soldier's ear. And Jesus graciously grabs, which was super gross, a little piece of the ear, and puts it back. He's like, no, you're still not getting it, Peter. Three years we've been together. You're still not getting it. I did not come to wield a sword of flesh and blood. I came to wield a sword for the heart. See, what the Israelites didn't know is that God was not coming to save them from their physical enemies. He was coming to save them from themselves. And Jesus is speaking to us here tonight to say, I'm not here to save you from your financial issues. I'm not here to save you from whoever your prime minister, whoever your political party is. I'm not here to save you from what job you work in because if I just save you from those things, you'll just get yourself back into the mess again. How many times do we watch a political election come and everyone's like, oh, I hope that such and such a party gets in. Honest to Pete Church. Well, if we could just make X number of dollars, you know what the great theologian said? Mo money, mo problems. <laughs> like, when will we learn? It is not leadership. It is not political. It is not financial. It is our heart issue. Jesus came to save you from you. Jesus came to save me from me. Because every single time I grab the wheel, do you know what I do with the vehicle? I put her in the ditch. Every single time. And if I would just take the words of the other great theologian and let Jesus take the wheel, aren't you glad you come to Thursday night church? Every time, every time I let him be the prophet, priest, and king that I need, he leads me to a better place. Every time. And I, and I, and I cannot help but notice the verse that if anyone, if anyone would receive, I would give them the right to be my children. Why would you settle for being a churchgoer when God gives you the right to be a child? Why would you settle for, well, I'll become a member of the Wesleyan Church or the Baptist Church or the Catholic Church or the whatever church when God gave you the invitation to be his child? That he wants to be your prophet and priest and king, and he wants to rule and lead you into a better place. If only we would let down our little K kingdoms and step into his kingdom. And so, church, I want you to sit and process for a minute, because there may be people in this room who have settled for being churchgoers and have never stepped into being a child of the king. There may be people in this room who are like, man, I've been a great Wesleyan for 40 years. Yeah, why would you be a Wesleyan when you could be a child of God? There is an invitation that God is, is birthing a holy nation. For, uh, uh, 2 Peter 2 9 says that I am going to make a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen people, and that we would proclaim the goodness of God to the nations. And He lets us play a part in that. You think of all the journey, how we got to where we are, where Jesus would step in and be our king and, and rule and lead us, that He would let us. Think of what the Israelites thought. 
I mean, there was only one high priest, and he was like the one elected person who was allowed to represent God to the people. And God's like, well, that's not working. And he would let you be priests as you leave this place to our community. He would use you to be an intercessor to your neighbors and your community. He would use you to be light in the darkness this week. But all of that comes after the receiving of Jesus and stepping in to be his child. So church, would you just prayerfully pause for a minute? We'll come back in just a moment.